A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Mariella Meets. I'm Mariella Frostrup, and each week I'll be bringing you a selection of the best interviews from our favorite guests. Movers and shakers from the worlds of art and entertainment, politics, business, music, and wider society. The trope of the Italian nonna spending hours in the kitchen perfecting her own secret ragu recipe might seem like the stuff of stereotypes, but for chef and restaurateur Gino De Campo, it couldn't be more real. Gino grew up in southern Italy in a house full of women intent on bringing their best home cooking to the centre of family life. His new book and TV series, Gino's Italy, Like Mama Used to Make, is a love letter to the women in his family and across Italy who inspired and taught him to cook. Uh, Gino, welcome to the programme. So was it that sort of love letter aspect that first inspired the book? Well, first of all, let me say that that is a very beautiful introduction. That's very nice. <laughs> You're and, very welcome. Uh, thank, you. thank you for having me on the show. And uh, uh, we'll see a love letter. I, I, uh, look, as long as I can remember, I've been surrounded by women since I was a very little boy until today. Uh, so for me, I thought it was only fair uh, once for all to dedicate a book and the recipe and celebrate all the women that they've been part of my life because they've been many, in hundreds, I have to say, if not thousands. Well, I think now you're starting to sound a little bit Casanova-esque, Gino, which I presume oh, no, is not no. what you mean. We are not talking about women, uh, uh, you know, generic. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about when since I was a little boy until I was about 18 years old, it's mainly uh, women that they part of the family. My mother is, uh, uh, she was number nine of 10 sisters. And then they, she also had a brother. And uh, I also had a lot of female cousins. We counted, I think at some point, female cousins, they were over 40. How many? So, uh, over 40, 40. Oh my goodness. Uh, it's a lot, lots of people in my family, lots of uh, women. And I remember when I was a little boy, I was never kind of interested to, to, go outside and play football with the boys or on the bike or skateboarding or anything like that. I was always somehow stuck in a kitchen because I've, I've always found it very interesting, the conversation that women had, and I still do today. Um, so I don't know, I was always attracted to stay with them. And uh, I was always the only boy uh, uh, amongst all these huge number of women. 
Yeah. And what was it about um, the conversations that women have that attracted you then and I presume continues to attract you today? What's different? Well, I think the conversation women had, and, and, and I still find very interesting, they're very integrated, they're very uh, uh, intelligent conversation, very clever conversation. Uh, uh, women, they tend to analyze everything. This is what men don't do. We are more stupid kind of thing. You know, we have a conversation, we talk about rubbish, and we move on. I like that women can have a conversation about a subject for hours. And everybody says their opinion. So, so I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is uh, uh, if you like to listen, I, I find that more interesting to listen to women. Uh, but you didn't learn to express yourself like women. So whilst you enjoy how women explore topics, it wasn't something that you yourself kind of, you know, would you say that you're still quite a, a macho man? I wouldn't think so. No, I have a lot of uh, uh, kind of uh, feminine way of doing things. Uh, maybe the way I talk or, or, or maybe the way sometimes I move. I don't know how much it really affected me because I, I can't judge it myself. I've always been the same. Uh, but I think there is a big feminine side uh, uh, in me, I have to say. And, and, and probably because I've always been surrounded by women. Tell me uh, then a little bit about your mother's kitchen. What was, what was your mother's cooking like? My mother's cooking was not excellent, I have to say. <sighs> I remember she used to do about 20, 25 recipes, but she used to do them very well. She was never uh, experimental. You know, if you would say to my mom, should we try a new recipe? Oh, no, 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 no. I'll do this. I've been doing this for many years. So that, that's the kind of cook she was. Also because she was busy. She was a, a hard-working uh, mom. She worked since she was very young. Uh, and uh, therefore, she didn't have a huge amount of time to spend in the kitchen. And, but that's not true of, of the rest of the women in your family, is it? Because I think the, the, the book and the TV series has really been inspired um, by recipes uh, from your aunts, great aunts, maybe not your mother. Or maybe your mother had good recipes. She just couldn't oh, cook my, them. My mom had good recipes, but uh, she was one of the very few that she was working. All my other aunties and my grandmother, they did the work. So uh, their life was spending 90% of their life in the kitchen. Uh, and because my mom was working after school, I didn't go home because then I would have been by myself with my sister. So I used to go around to my aunties, to my grandmother, and, and, and the, uh, the place to be was always and eternally in the kitchen. Do you know, your mum was working, I think, in part because you guys were not well off at all uh, when you were a child. How do yeah. you think that affected you? And how lucky do you think you were to, to grow up in Italy where, I have to say, food is simple and fresh and relatively cheap still? Uh, yeah, we were a, a very average uh, working class family. We didn't have a lot, but we had enough. And, and, and you very rightly said in Italy, you don't have to have a lot of money to have fantastic food. But the fact that we didn't have money, it, it kind of affected me in, uh, as I was growing up because I've always wanted to uh, uh, make money because, you know, when I was a little boy, I've always wanted many things that my friends and my other cousins had like a new bike or a new pair of trainers or, I don't know, whatever it was. And, and we just couldn't afford it. So uh, it's one thing that I 
took from the fact that my mom and dad, they were, uh, they were not well off, that when I grew up, I wanted to have enough money to be able to do whatever I wanted and to be able to give my children whatever they wanted, within reason, of course, yeah, without spoiling them. So I guess it, it built a work ethic in you, but it also, I suppose, is what provoked you into leaving home. I think at 17 you started working. Uh, yeah, I started to work when I was 14 years old. Uh, that was my first job. And then when I was 17, I left Italy because, yes, you're right. I, I kind of realized that if I wanted to uh, do something with my life and be successful, the little town I was born in was not big enough for me. And uh, the work etiquette that my mom and dad, they, they gave me was, it was perfect for what I wanted to do because they, they worked very hard. Uh, my mom and dad, I never remember my father taking a day off because he was ill or anything like that. He was always going to work. And, and that helped me a lot uh, in the future. And so um, where, did you, where did you go to as a teenager? Because the other thing, you know, you describe your, your affection for the, for the women in your family, for that kind of matriarchal environment, and, and also your, your love for your mum, you know, who was often out and working. So it must have felt quite hard to, to, to create distance between you when you moved abroad. You know, one thing that I miss is my teenage years. What I did not do is what normal teenager would do, you know, to go out with his friends and, and go to the beach and, 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 and do all the things that teenagers do. Uh, I actually am living my teenager's year now. <laughs> uh, I've always said to my wife, I said, I don't know what's happening, Jessica, but since I, I turned 40, I kind of gone back now to do the things that uh, I never did as a teenager. So now is the time that I party more, I, I have a few drinks, uh, and, and I like to do the crazy thing that I never had the chance to do before. Uh, how does your wife feel about being married to a born-again teenager? Oh, she doesn't mind at all. She, you know, my wife is a, is a super cool uh, girl. She's very clever. She, she understood me from the day that she met me. That's, you know, we know each other. For 28 years now, she's been the love of my life since I was 17 years old. So she knows, she knows me better than I do, probably. Well, one thing that she does do, she makes sure that I enjoy myself. She knows that I work very hard when it's time to work. And she equally knows that I party even harder when it's time to party. So it's good. It's, it's, it's a good balance. It's a good balance. I guess, I guess because it's, it's, <laughs> it's a long time we've been together. Does she party with you? Not in the month of October, I think, because that's the month you have to yourself, as I as I understand it. Uh, she she will party with me whenever is the, whenever we got the chance to party. I don't, I don't think there is any month that we don't or we do. Uh, it's very uh, if it's party time, let's party. So, do you think you're you're more relaxed now in terms of you talked about the work ethic that was inbuilt in you because you wanted to make money, you wanted to make sure that you know your family uh, wouldn't want for anything, obviously, you know, without spoiling your children and so on. Do you think that you've relaxed a bit now? Do you feel like like you've achieved a lot of your goals, or are you one of those people that's constantly driven by perhaps a sort of insecurity that it might might all disappear tomorrow? No, absolutely not. In the last 10 years, I, uh, I've been working only six months of the year. I, I, I actually don't work a lot anymore. I only work six months of the year. The other six months, I take a holiday. For example, I just came back for a three-month holiday in Italy. 
then I'm going to take another month in December. Then I usually take a month off in April. I, now I created this balance where I work six months and I enjoy my life for the other six months. I don't, uh, you know, yes, I do get worried sometimes. But, you know, then I thought I got enough. I, I'm very content with what, what I got. We got a few pounds saved in the bank. And uh, I don't think there is any need for me to make the extra uh, money, I to, to work longer hours just because I need to make extra money. The, yes, the business is out there and the money are out there, but it doesn't mean that I have to take it. I, uh, I, I think I came to the conclusion that enjoying life is better than uh, just work and, and, and put more money in the bank. I'd rather bank more memories nowadays than, than money. That's, that's what I think uh, I do. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So Gina, what do you put your um, success down to and how did you find yourself becoming interested in food? I mean, I presume you're always interested in eating it, but, but when did it seem to you that this would be a good career path? I think it started when I was about 10 years old. I remember like it was yesterday when I, uh, I was in a kitchen, my grandmother and my grandfather's kitchen. My grandfather used to be a chef, by the way. So I... Uh, I remember I went in the kitchen and my grandfather was making a potato dumpling, gnocchi. So he had these three or four ingredients in the kitchen and all of a sudden he made this beautiful dish which was uh, gnocchi with tomato sauce, fresh basil, parmesan cheese grated on top and he was feeding everybody. And I was thinking, wow, this guy can pick up three or four ingredients and make something so magical. And I remember I started to say to my dad, I, I, I think I'm going to get into cooking. My dad was not pleased that I wanted to get into cooking because he wanted me to go to university. And I, and I fought quite a lot to say, I, I remember I, I fell out with him for about a couple of months because I thought, no, 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 I wanted to become a chef. So I went to the catering college and to prove to him that I, I was serious about it, I started to work as I entered the college. So I was going in the college in the morning and at night I used to work as a, as a pizza maker, as a, as a pizza chef. And that's how it really happened. I mean, the television side of it, that is a crazy thing that it happened after. But uh, uh, I, I, since I was young, 10, 12, I, I knew that I wanted to be a chef. I knew that I wanted to work in a restaurant and one day own my own restaurant. You said that the TV thing doesn't come naturally, didn't come naturally. I mean, you look extremely natural, like you're having a very good time in like Mama used to make um, as you drive your motorbike around and, and hang out with your various female cousins and aunts and, and so on. Does it still feel like an, an alien situation or have you grown accustomed to it? 
Well, uh, first of all, I, pro I probably said it wrong. Uh, it's not like the television didn't come naturally to me. It's something that uh, it was not in my plan. I remember when they asked me to do the first show on television, it was a producer who saw me uh, cooking in, uh, in a place here in London. I really did not want to do it. Uh, I didn't want to do it. And, and, and we had a lot of conversation. At one point I went, okay, let me get this guy out of my way. Let's do this television show. And then actually what happened, the television became something very natural to me. When I was opposite the camera, you know, two things can happen when you're opposite the camera. Or you're going to freeze or you're just going to go for it. I did not freeze. I just went for it. Uh, I'm talking about 21 years ago, my first ever appearance on television. And then I realized that the, 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 the TV side was coming very naturally to me. But I never wanted to do it. I'm, I'm actually living someone else's dream that, you know, working on television has never been my dream. I, I, I'm, I'm, I was never interested in it, and I always take it with a pinch of salt. I'll do it, the television, because I like to do it, and because it comes very natural for me to do it. I don't really care about what I say and what I do. I, 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 I just do what I can. You're very brave. I mean, very few of us would elect to go on a road trip with Gordon Ramsay, but you seem to, <laughs> you seem to manage to do it without ending up like Anthony Joshua, you know, having a little fisticuffs. Well, I, uh, uh, you know, I know Gordon for many years, over 25 years, and I know Fred for a few years now. So that, uh, that is an easy show for us to do. We just go around and messing around and, 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 and great food, drink, coke, party at night. That, that, that's, that's the dream job. And, and I believe that one of your kids dated one of his kids. That must have felt a little uncomfortable, or are you thinking of creating a family dynasty? Uh, no, I think at some point, yeah, something did happen. Uh, uh, I don't know exactly when and how, because Gordon and I, we don't really want to get too much involved. You know, nowadays, teenagers, they change their mind too often. They've got too many options. So uh, we took it very much with a pinch of salt, Gordon and I. It was funny uh, uh, at the beginning. And I have to say, uh, Fred and I, we were teasing Gordon all the time about that. But uh, I, I think it's over now, by the way. Uh, well, it's probably for the best. It, it did remind me a bit of when Keith Richards' daughter went out with Mick Jagger's son, and that, that, that seemed pretty precarious as well. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a bit awkward because you kind of think, well, I don't want the kids now to ruin 25 years of relationship just because they don't get on with it. But, you know, we made a path that whatever happened, we wouldn't get involved and we would stay friends for a long time. And that's what happened. But it was funny. Yeah, was I bet. funny to tease him. <laughs> um, Gino, you know, these are difficult times for a, for a lot of families. And, you know, it, it's a hard balance to strike that that celebration of food, along with the knowledge that, you know, families aren't getting enough to eat. You know, yeah. we, we mention it often on this program, but, you know, more food banks here in the UK than there are branches of McDonald's. Do you think, uh, do, is it something that you find difficult to navigate or, or, or do you think that it is possible to eat well, um, you know, uh, as you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation in terms of Italian food, to eat well and on a budget, we just need to learn how to do it? Look, I, I'm very lucky because I've always been involved in a, a cuisine that uh, it comes from cucina povera, as we say, which is a poor man cuisine. Italy, Italian cuisine is nothing more than a poor man cuisine. If you think about risotto, if you think about pasta, if you think about pizza, these are 
all dishes that uh, they came around when people didn't have a lot of money. So you want to you fill your stomach up, and what do you do? You get a plate of pasta, you get a risotto, you go for a pizza. So for Italians, eating on a budget is super easy. And if I could suggest to anyone uh, uh, that is on a budget uh, uh, to cook, Italian food is probably the best because the basic of pasta, rice, and pizza, uh, you can do pretty much whatever you want. They're very versatile. You can have a, a risotto with vegetable, but you can have a pasta with meat or with seafood. You can put a vegetable on a pizza or just cheese. It's a great cuisine, Italian cuisine, if you're on a budget, because but, it was originally designed to do that. But you do need good olive oil, and that nowadays, particularly post-Brexit, costs a fortune. I know, I know. I mean, a bottle of olive oil it costs quite a lot nowadays. But you know what? You don't have to use a lot of oil when you cook Italian food. You can put a little drizzle of oil at the end uh, for the flavours. You know, you can still buy very good quality tinned chopped tomatoes nowadays or tinned tomatoes that you can make a nice tomato sauce. Um, so it's, uh, it's OK. You, you, you need to, you know, it's probably the extra virgin olive oil would be the most expensive ingredient when you think about Italian ingredients nowadays. But apart from that, everything else is quite inexpensive if you think about it. We've been told for years that the Italian diet is, or the Mediterranean diet, should I say, I can't just single Italy out, is, is you know, particularly good for your health. And yes. in the programme, you, you visit uh, Sardinia's Blue Zone, an area which is renowned for having the largest number of people that live to 100 years old. Did you discover their secret? The secret is very simple. They just do whatever they want and they eat and drink whatever they want, but with moderation. That is the thing. That's the thing that when people, they come to me and they say, how, how is that Italian people are always fit and healthy, but yet you eat pasta, pizza, risotto? How does that, that's possible? Well, l l let me give you the answer. It's very simple. When we have a plate of pasta in Italy or when we have a pizza, when we make a risotto, we don't do the mistake that many other countries do when they do uh, uh, the same dishes. We don't put a lot of cream, a lot of cheese, huge portion. No, 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 no. Everything is done in moderation. Um, just to give you an, an example, a packet of pasta, which is usually 500 grams, in Italy, it will serve four people. I've seen many, many times here in this country where a packet of pasta feeds two people. Well, actually, what you're doing, you're eating double of the amount that you should eat here in this country. You know, when you think about a pizza, pizza was designed with a bit of fresh tomatoes, a bit of mozzarella and fresh basil. Well, you, you see some of the pizza that they serve here in this country. You, you go from chicken wings to pineapple to hams to cream to eggs. Everything is on top of that pizza. So I think it's the way that it was interpreted, uh, Italian food, that has been wrong. But if you follow an Italian diet as it should be, uh, it's very, very healthy and very cheap, very inexpensive. You've uh, been quite involved in, in, in creating your own uh, ready-made uh, foods. And, yes. And I wondered how you feel about the, the restrictions placed around that and the, and the idea that the, the, the government's thinking of reversing the sugar levy and, and so on. I mean, do you worry about the, the levels of salt and, and of sugar in, in ready-made ready meals? Well, <laughs> you touched a very uh, <laughs> sensitive point with me and the government on salt and sugar. Look, I, 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 
I'm, I'm happy for the government to take those steps. Yes, uh, uh, if you have too much sugar and too much salt, we know that is bad for you. What the government is not doing, though, is creating a, a, a balance of what does it mean uh, uh, too much salt and too much sugar. Let me give you an example. I have a, 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 a big range of ready meal in the supermarket in Asda. We now are forced to take the salt level so low that actually what you taste is not as good as it should be because you need salt sometimes to bring the flavors out. Well, the government doesn't understand that if we continue to do that, we drive our children to continuously going back to places like McDonald's. Why? Because they are not regulating McDonald's, but they're only regulating what is in the supermarkets. So to cut a long story short, if you take a ready meal nowadays, let's say a lasagna, and you taste it, you would find it quite bland because there is not enough salt to bring the flavors out. So this kid is going to eat this lasagna and he's going to think, well, you know, I'd rather McDonald's, I'd rather Burger King, I'd rather any other places like that. Why? Because the food is very tasty. Why their food is tasty? Because it's salt. That's the complication, so, though, isn't it? Because the reason it's tasty is because of the salt. We develop a taste for the salt. How do you then regulate? I mean, I suppose what you're saying is it, it has to be across the board. So if that, you do a regulation, it has to be across the board. You can't say we're going to only regulate ready meal in the supermarket, but then we don't really care what Burger King or McDonald's is doing. But this is just to mention one or two, or Domino's or Pizza Hut or whatever it is. Mm, you can't mm. do that because otherwise... You're really encouraging kids nowadays to eat in these places because it's got more flavor and to uh, uh, not eat in the actually healthy good things that there are on supermarket shelves. Do you think that, um, I mean, you came here, I think, when you were 19 years old. Do you think 18. that 18, 18. Do you think that um, British food habits have changed for the better in that time? I mean, oh, yes. Yes, 100%. When I came in this country, if I wanted to buy a bottle of extra virgin olive oil, I had to go to the chemist. <laughs> People did not know what a balsamic vinegar was when I came in this country 26, 27 years ago. It was mental. It was crazy. Uh, um, English people, they definitely changed their pal- palate. Uh, also, they've been helped a lot by this low-cost airline. I mean, not, nowadays, everybody can go to Italy, you know, compared to 25 years ago. You can to Italy with, with 20 pounds. So people, they go to Italy, they understand what good Italian food is all about. They come back here and they expect good uh, uh, Italian food in our restaurants. But yes, 100%, the, 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 the cooking habit and the eating habit of the English people has changed loads, loads. I mean, it, it's insane between now and 25 years ago. Just finally, Gino, um before you go, I can't not ask. Um, you won I'm a Celebrity back in 2009, I think it was. Uh, what was the absolute... I, I mean, I have considered um, going on that programme from time to time. But the, oh, thing, nice. the thing that puts me off is I really care about what I eat. And I'm just wondering, what was the worst thing you had to eat? Or, 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 or perhaps you'll tell me that it wasn't as bad as you thought it was going to be. No, no, no. It was as bad as you think it is. Yeah, it is... <laughs> Mariella, this is not one of those shows that when the camera are off, they're going to give you sandwiches or they're going to give you uh, chocolate or anything like that. I remember when I was there, it was literally beans and rice. There was no salt, there was no, no, no seasoning, no spices, no oil. There was nothing. 
you had to work very, very hard to get a couple of pieces of sausage to put with your rice or to put with your beans. Um, so if you are too much into food, that is not a show for you because then it's going to make you miserable. Uh, but uh, what about what about the other things that you then get to eat, like the bugs and the, you know, did you go for it? Oh, well, I, I pretty much ate uh, uh, everything. Uh, the one that it was disgusting, they gave me to eat a pickled kangaroo vagina. <laughs> I mean, you see, you're laughing because you haven't tasted it. Uh, apart from the fact that I had rotten eggs with, with chicks inside and warm, live worms and bugs and stuff like that, but I remember this kangaroo pickled vagina, and, 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 I, and, uh, and, and I was shocked. Apparently, it's a delicatessen that, you know, in the area where we were. That, that was not an experience that I thought I would have with, uh, uh, with something like that. Well, that is a lovely thought to leave us with. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Well, you did ask me. You know, you know that I will always tell you the truth. So you asked me and you got the answer. I did ask you and you answered me honestly. And what more could I hope for <laughs> in a guest? You've been utterly marvellous, not disappointing at all. Uh, Gino De Campo, thank you so much for joining me. And Gino's Italy, like Mama used to make, is published by Bloomsbury and out now. Thanks for listening to Mariella Meets with me, Mariella Frostrup. There'll be more from the podcast next week, so make sure to download the free Times Radio app to never miss an episode. And don't forget, you can catch the live edition of my programme every Monday to Thursday, 1 till 4, on Times Radio. Catch you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.